lately it occurs to me what a long strange trip it's been for the infuse show guys we're back in Delo who Delo what delaware it's the infuse show brought to you by terrapin select terrapinselect.com for all your health and wellness cbd needs mike francesca welcome back to delaware thank Good to be you back. love being home <laughs> just for time. a minute though yeah, not <laughs> <I> know. long. <laughs> we're, we're hopping back on the road next week. But the last time I saw you two, it was uh, at a lovely establishment in Hell's Kitchen. We were having some fun in New York Ooh. City. Uh, but it was, it, it's good. Do you to remember be- that, Mike? <laughs> no. That's why, this, that's why I said, ooh, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, I'm really excited today uh, b- because of our guest. Um, I, I think in the first, in the early part of 2022, you, you might remember, I had a, a phone call with our friend Jimmy Young from Pro Cannabis Media. Hey, Jimmy. Uh, and I was talking with Jimmy about different people I want to get on the show. And I brought up this person's name. And he was like, oh, you, you got to talk to her. You got to talk. I had such a great time uh, out in Vegas talking with her. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm so excited because I first noticed today's guest on social media uh, a couple years back. And I instantly took notice of the unmistakable and genuine passion uh, for cannabis and for overall uh, commitment to health. It just exuded from whatever screen that you were viewing her accounts and her information on. So uh, I'm really excited, Mike and Francesca. Our guest today is a cannabis patient, a cannabis patient advocate, a speaker, a member of the Patient Advisory Board for New York State American Safe Access for Cannabis. She's a leading voice in our cannabis community, working to bring worldwide awareness to invisible illness and disability. Guys, would you please welcome Nikki Lolly of Nikki and the Plant. Nikki, welcome to Infuse. Woo! Yeah, Nikki. Welcome. You guys are so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate all the kind words. It really makes a difference because at the end of the day, all we know is what we know. And we don't know who's following our journey or who we're making a difference in their lives. So just hearing all those kind words just kind of gives you a little bit of big fluff in the chest here (laughs) you're doing it and you deserve it yes (laughs) it's all true nikki um i always you know we like to steer in the direction of cannabis advocacy issues all the time here and it always uh it always is wonderful when we get somebody on who's working to um as as our our buddy steve van zandt would say change hearts and minds here. And, and that's what you're doing. Uh, Nikki has said she doesn't get stoned, she gets medicated. And it's that kind of message uh, that is so important to spread into our world. In our cannabis community, we get it, uh, but we need to educate, even if it's on a one-on-one basis. Nikki, you're out there on the front lines doing it, and, and we're grateful uh, to, for your work. Now, um, your story is, is incredible. I mean, that's why we want to have you on today. Um, but you're, you take us back. Uh, your earliest impressions uh, of of cannabis, pot, weed, whatever whatever it was known to you. Has cannabis consumption typically always, you know, how is it viewed in your environment? You were a pediatric nurse, so was was this considered a natural, you know, healing wonder, or was it the devil's lettuce, as we were told? In <laughs> okay, that's a very cool question. So. When I was a kid growing up, my dad was a uh, customs border patrol. Mm. So um, cannabis was pretty much a drug in my household. It was something that was not cool. But 
I mean, while I was growing up, I really wasn't exposed to it at all. You know, like my yeah. parents didn't have friends that were stoners or anything like that, you know? So I really wasn't exposed. The first time I had cannabis was actually when I was 26, I learned I had Lyme disease and I was getting these headaches that were just so brutal and cannabis helped, but not always. And I, again, it was sort of just a placebo or not a placebo because it worked, but it was sort of just a temporary fix and it like wasn't curing my headaches. Then once I found Lyme disease, I, it was Lyme disease. Then I got treated and that cannabis aspect of my life kind of went away. It was just sort of a friend had it and it wasn't a real thing. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to um, after that and being a pediatric nurse, I smoked pot when people had it. I was actually a pediatric nurse and casino dealer. So the casino was definitely uh, full of different substances that one could partake in. And uh, I personally preferred pot over alcohol because I found alcohol maybe a little bit too loosey-goosey in any kind of professional <laughs> setting. It's something we really don't want to go there on that but oh, oh i want to go there at some point with a, <laughs> maybe an after dark episode we get to hear those stories yeah, there's a lot of layers <laughs> yeah yeah cannabis kind of made me or uh alcohol kind of makes me a stripper it's really not good. <laughs> so, <laughs> lots of good sound bites popping here <laughs> so so yeah alcohol is not my thing so somebody had pot at some of these after parties and so i learned about pot a little bit but then i was so paranoid i was going to get caught because we were subject to random drug testing so a friend of mine said, oh, all you got to do is get some fake pee from the head shop and put it in your boobs. And nobody, will, if you ever get random, just piss, piss in the cup with your boob pee. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this lasts so long, though, in your system. You know, you never know. So if you smoked one day, you know, I had no idea about how long it really stayed. So literally, I'd smoke a joint and like for the next month, I'm still carrying fake pee in my boobs Ooh. and um <laughs> luckily for me i never got random drug tested so that was but you ruined 15 time. blouses <laughs> <laughs> actually no I mean, you didn't have to like smell it or anything it was just like a little squeezy bottle it was uh, pretty oh efficient <laughs> whoever made it was pretty efficient and knew what they were doing um <laughs> but so that was sort of but again it was not medicine it was something to relax it was something for recreation it was not medicine. Right. So if you would have come to my pediatric office in my nursing days and said, your kids on cannabis for their seizures immediately, I would say, okay, let's call 1-800 call CPS child protective mm -hmm. services and take right. your kid away from you. You can't give your kid pot. Like, so that would mm -hmm. have been totally my view. And I had never heard of a child getting cannabis at that point. Like in 2016, it was not really a thing. Yes. Charlotte Figgy came out and things like that, but I think that was like in 2014-ish. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Don't quote me on the timeline, but but it was definitely before it was a thing um, where parents were finding relief. So that was sort of my take on the whole cannabis scenario. Wow. But then but, things changed, obviously. Yeah, obviously. It's funny how, just real quick, when, when Nikki talks about 2016, it almost makes it sound like it's 1916 or something yeah. like that like how much I things know. have changed from a cultural standpoint and acceptance standpoint just in six years yeah yeah when it comes to cannabis it is a lifetime it's like dog years on steroids it's yeah. crazy 
Yeah. There's a lot of people out there working extremely hard to get us there, you know? Yeah, and absolutely. so we're really grateful for that progress and that evolution. Yeah. Frank and it can't sent, come fast enough. Frank just sent me a note that just said fake pee boobs. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what he's taking down. Uh, I, 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 I'm just sitting here thinking. I was like, you used to be a, a car dealer. I was like, Frank would pepper you with questions. Frank, would say, all right, Nikki, here's it. What if I'm showing this? Oh my God, <laughs> a whole nother interview, whole nother interview. All right. Um, so, so, I a lot of your story uh, hinges on on a particular date. I know it's it's a it's a dark date to look back on. But uh, it's October, it's 2016, and, and you're injured on the job. Uh, can you can you take us back into that moment and and how and let us know how that kind of sets the stage and what's to come? For sure, um, dark moment, changed life. Just doing your job like any other day is the best way of summarizing that day. Mm -hmm. It was October 11th, 2016, about five o'clock in the evening. I was getting ready to go on my break and a fellow nurse had a patient still and the kid was tripping balls. I mean, just flipping out over the fact of getting a shot. I mean, this is not my first rodeo. This is not something new. Kids are not fans of shots. But again, a lot of that's perpetuated with parents and how they talk about shots to their kids. So yeah. instead of it just being a part of life, it becomes this, oh, poor baby, you've got to get a shot. And so mm. that just perpetuates the whole mm. fear thing. And and so now it's like this huge ordeal. And my coworker was trying to administer the vaccine and the kid was like flapping his arm like a duck every time she'd go near it. Ooh. And so this is dangerous. You know, I mean, like she's going to get stuck. He's going to get stuck. The parent's going to get stuck. So I come in and again, I'm 4'11 and a half, 110 pounds. I'm not exactly big Shira. So <laughs> I come in behind the kid, behind the patient, the parent, and the kid was 10, about 85, 95 pounds. And he tucks his chin, throws his chin back into my forehead, throws his <sighs> head back into my forehead. I bounce into a wall, back into his head. Ooh. So- it was a double impact, completely caught me off guard. And I've been punched, kicked, slapped. <laughs> you know, yeah, nurses like, take a ton of abuse. Yes, they do. <laughs> and in the pediatric office, you know, you got to wear some body armor a little bit usually. But I did not have the helmet on that day. <laughs> and let me assure you, it sure needed to be on because everything in my life changed that day. That's the yeah. last day I worked as a pediatric nurse. Oh, wow. So after it happened, I was stunned. I was pissed. I was angry. Just, I couldn't believe it happened. I couldn't like, I mean, it wasn't the parents' fault. It wasn't the sure. kids' fault. And it really wasn't my fault. It just was yeah. a freak kind of accident, right? Yeah. So we get the kid the shot. He leaves. He has no idea how injured I am. But I mean, I didn't pass out. So you don't think it's going to be a bad concussion. Mm -hmm. Um and like, I've been educated now on brain injury and brain trauma much more than I was at the time of this injury. And I could not believe how sick I felt, how my entire left side, my arm was just like completely numb. And that was due to the whiplash injury, the head neck injury. Well, do you remember when you started to feel the, the pain, Nikki? Like how quickly? Then, then, yeah. wow. that second, that wow. second. I remember walking out to go on my dinner break saying, I cannot feel my left arm. I, I mean, there's something wrong. I can't pick anything up. There's a problem. Wow. 
Did you have like a nurse instinct to be like, oh, shake it off? Or were you like, "Mm, problems, red flags all over here? No, I was like my nursing mentality because unless you're dying as a nurse, we don't don't die. We don't drop. I mean, like- you got to like have blood coming out of every orifice and then maybe you got something wrong with you. But at, up until that point, there's nothing wrong, you know? And right. I mentioned it to the doctor, you know, as I was leaving, I'm like, what could have happened that this, my arm, I can't feel my arm. It was like pins and needles on steroids. It just was this mm. constant, it felt almost like an electrical zapping. And, yeah. and I mean, that's what I noticed much more than my head. And my eyes were messed up. Like I had no business getting in a car right after that accident, let me just be crystal clear. But I went, I grabbed my food, came back to the office, whooped down my food, immediately got sick, immediately started being dizzy, immediately started having trouble finding words. And so the doctor that was there said, you know, you better go to urgent care. And so I was diagnosed with my third closed head injury. And again, closed head injury is just a fancy word for concussion. You're not bleeding, you're not there's nothing going on really behind the scenes that they can tell, but there was no imaging done that day. Really? No, nothing. And it was just go home for a couple of days to have a break. And, you know, it was a worker's comp case. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. But mm-hmm. again, it was so early on that I didn't think I was going to be still suffering. I mean, at all, like I expected to be back to work in three days. I mean, yeah. Really actually didn't even feel like I needed to take off the next day. Like when they gave me the doctor's note. So after the urgent care visit, uh, the next morning I couldn't like stand up. Um, my head, every time I stood up, I like almost fell back down and the head pain was so excruciating. I think i pretty much stayed up from 3 a.m. forward. And Mm. I mean, it wasn't a normal headache. It was like at the base of my skull and behind my eyes to the point where it was crippling. It was paralyzing. And I'm like, this is not normal. So I contacted my primary. He sent me in for some MRIs, stat. They, of course, found nothing. (laughs) And to me, it was like, how can there not be nothing? I am not able to even function there has to be something there you guys are just being lazy you're not looking at something like I'm not faking this you know yeah not something that's just being exaggerated I mean there's something not right and so there began my journey with workers compensation in New York State to try and prove that there's something wrong with me um and when I tell you guys it was horrible because when you're a healthcare provider and you're used to helping other people, you kind of expect other healthcare providers to treat you with the same respect. And absolutely in any other time prior to becoming a workers' comp patient, I was treated with respect whenever I went to another doctor. Oh, tell us about what your doctor does, blah, 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 blah. And you weren't looked at crazy. You weren't looked at like there was a problem. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, when you change that role and now you're no longer a healthcare provider, but you're a patient and you've got to want to be a professional patient, because if you just are a patient that just goes in and expects the doctor is going to fix you and heal you and figure out everything, you're going to fail. You are setting yourself up for failure. So learning how to be a professional patient became the next skill set I had to like become savvy on because- Every doctor visit is recorded by the workers' comp board. 
So if one day I come in and I say I'm feeling okay, that's now congruent as, oh, you're better now. You don't need any kind of help. People, I just told the truth. I didn't try to learn a game. It wasn't a game to me. It was my health. It was my my well-being, my overall function in life. And when I tell you, I was not getting better. I was getting worse. And mm. the symptoms of the uh, vision became unbearable. I mean, I saw double pretty much 24-7. Um, dizziness, trying to drive. I, I got lost in a sandwich box. I mean, I literally could not remember how to get from my house to the grocery store. Um, I lived in absolute agony and pain and doctors just gave me this drug, this drug. Oh, you're nauseous. Now we'll give you this drug and this drug. Oh, your swelling's too much. So let's give you this drug and this drug. Oh, you seem a little psychotic. Let's throw in this mix and that. I was on 16 pills at one point. 16 oh different at the same pills. Time. Oh my God. At the same time. And, and you went from, I'm assuming being almost perfectly healthy, yes. no daily medication to I 16. Thyroid. Thyroid. That, that is so, so insane. So life-changing. And, and to hear each, each symptom being medicated individually, rather yeah. than being looked at as a complete um, picture of chronic pain of this, you know, brain injury, like, and, and not being treated holistically to hear them gaslighting you of like, well, we don't see anything. So I don't know what to tell you. Like, oh my God, I know it, it is so crazy. hard to, it was horrible. Yeah. Was, you're, you're confronting your own pain, let alone then having to defend it when somebody's yeah. doubting it. Oh my God. I mean, I'm so sorry. I never imagined what patients go through. I didn't understand mm. the hardships. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was not a patient before. I mean, if I was like when I had Lyme disease, I got her. I mean, it was like yeah. a problem and I got her. I never understood chronic illness. I never understood invisible disability. I for sure as hell would have never treated a single patient the way I was treated by over 60 different doctors. Um, I had over 45 different imaging studies done, all wow. out of pocket, mind you. I went all over the country, our country here, as well as Canada, to try and find answers, to go to the very best specialists. I spent tens of thousands of dollars of my life savings to try and get answers, and no one was giving them. Wow. It took a very special MRI to finally diagnose what was wrong. Again, that didn't happen until two years into my injury. So for 19 months, basically 22 months, I was fighting workers' compensation every single step of the way, literally sliced off, literally um, going to independent medical exams three times more than the average individual. They were doing everything they could. And so I never posted on social media. I mean, oh my God, if I would have smiled on a social media post. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. She's, she's better. She yeah. recovered. <laughs> right. I mean, when you really think about that, you guys, it's horrifying. And I got to such a dark place. All I could think of was I was a burden to my family mm. and I need to check out. Mm -hmm. All I could think of was how am I going to do it so it inflicts the least amount of pain on my family that they know that they weren't the problem, that it was me. And 
I had written the letters, I had written the notes, I had the plan. I mean, this was not something that was just a casual flippant. We've all had periods where we're low and maybe we're going to kill ourselves. But the ideation, yeah. No, this, this is a plan. This was like real. So my husband tried to cheer me up in Las, um, for Christmas. Uh, so my injury was October 11th, 2016. So at Christmas time, he's like, well, you're so depressed and you're so sad. What's your favorite thing to do? Of course, go to Las Vegas. Let's go to Vegas. And then in January, and I'm like, Jack, I can't even like consider a going in a casino b going on a plane and i dreaded it from that second forward i mean it wasn't mm -hmm. like i was looking forward to this trip in vegas because all i did was sleep cry and be in pain i yeah i was not in a happy place so when he got this trip i was like completely anti we go we get to vegas you guys i'm a regular in Vegas up until this incident happened. And like, we knew the hotel, like the back of our hand, it was the cosmopolitan of Las oh, Vegas. Oh, we love the Cosmo. That's our, that's our, yeah. That's our little place too. Yeah. Well, it's the very best. And, and it's so, got the balcony so you can smoke on there. So. 100%. <laughs> so that's been my passion always, but the Bellagio fountains have always done it for me overlooking oh. the Bellagio fountains, the water, yeah. And so for every room we ever get, that's like the prerequisite. If you don't have a fountain view, I'm not interested and mm -hmm. a high floor. Yeah. So when we got to the Cosmo, our room was not ready. And I'm like, look, I don't care if I'm in a broom closet. I don't care if I'm looking at the men's bathroom. I just need a room. Just put me in a closet. So where was this room? This was on the seventh floor of the Boulevard Tower, which is right in front of the strip. Mm -hmm. So this becomes relevant to the next part of the story. <laughs> so I should have never, ever been where I was, okay, in this particular side of the hotel or where I was seen. There's no view of the Bellagio Fountains, just the Vegas Strip. I go out on the balcony thinking, you know, we're into day three now of our trip. Um, and the Strip is very loud and very noisy. And we're three stories above the pool. So I'm looking down thinking, you know, this is going to be the end. I'm just fucking done. I'm sorry for the F-bomb, but, but I'm just, we encourage totally, it. <laughs> I'm just totally fucking done. And I cannot go on like this anymore. I mean, I'm ruining Jack's life. I'm my husband's life. I'm ruining my kid's life. I just got to end it. I look down at the pool area and it's like, literally there's umbrellas at every aspect. So, I mean, I'm, I'm literally not, it's not going to work. Right. And I mean, mm -hmm. I couldn't think of anything worse than it not working. Like the embarrassment, the putting my husband through any more torture, you know, I mean, I, I was like, well, that's not going to work. So then I'm all, and you're already living with chronic pain. So to imagine yes. whatever new pain was going to come with a failure of that. Yeah. Yeah. Breaking limbs. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't imagine. So at that exact time, a billboard that normally would contain strippers and escorts and uh, maybe a few burgers here and there, a mobile billboard came driving by saying, get your medical marijuana card in Nevada today. Now, you guys, I'm part of the war on drugs. I was raised in the Nancy Reagan era, okay? Just say no is literally etched into your brain since birth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... <laughs> 
the frying egg in the pan. Learned like, it from watching you or your brain yeah. on drugs. Your yeah, brain yeah, on yeah. drugs. Yeah, 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 yes. That's it. yes, yes. So immediately my brain on drugs came cruising by after that. <laughs> in my head, the billboard goes by in reality. And then in my head goes the frying egg with drugs. I'm like, perfect idea, Nikki. Go fry your brain on drugs. That's really, woo. Let's go do that. And I was like totally cynical. I was like totally <laughs> like I had not smoked pot since I had really worked at the casino. So it had been months and months and months, uh-huh. actually like two years. Um, and so it's not like it was a regular thing for me anymore. I just wasn't carrying the fake pee in the boobs anymore. So <laughs> so I mean, like everything was just gone from that aspect. But if you would have told me to smoke a joint with the head pain I had, I would have been like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Like it just hurt too bad to chew, to talk, to think. And now you want me to smoke? Inhale. Yeah. Yeah. So we go, my husband comes back to the room after being gone for several hours because I was ruining our vacation naturally. And, uh, he comes back and I tell him, oh, well, guess what came by? Oh, so the billboard came by a second time. So not only did I see it with the frying egg once, I saw it the second time. And it was just creepy, weird, creepy universe. I mean, as I look back now, that was not a mistake. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was not a mistake. That was total karma, fate. Serendipity, whatever you want to put. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. If there was a reason I was in that hotel room. There was a reason I was planning my death at that very moment. And at the same very moment, a billboard came by advertising, getting your medical marijuana card. So my husband comes back and I tell him, well, we can go get my medical marijuana card. And he's like, let's go. Hell, <laughs> you, you like, if you guys knew my husband, like he's truly the last American boy scout. He's older than I am. Very, 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 very mega conservative. And so for him to say, let's go, I mean, that's like, that's how desperate the situation was. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'm trying to convey. That's right? love. That's love. You got to, yeah. He wants to take care of you. My God. And so we go down the elevator and I literally, there's got to be 50 in the cab line to go to, to go to get the medical card. Now, this is the first time I've left the room in three A's, you know, he would get takeout and bring it to the room or I do room service or whatever. That pizza from the secret pizza place. That's really good. (laughs) Dude, there's so many new restaurants there. It's like, I can't even keep up. I mean, the Momo fuck you. I mean, like, really? That's a name. Egg slut. Egg slut. I love that one. Very popular in the mornings. Yeah. (laughs) Holsteins. I love Holsteins. Yeah. So, um, but truly it was the first time I was out and I was so overwhelmed. I mean, I'm still crying. I'm still a basket case. And this line of like the Disney world, uh, space mountain ride is for the cabs. And I'm like, yeah, no, we're done. We're out back up. And, uh, my husband says to the bell guy, like, Hey, she's sick. We we're going to the doctor. Like he didn't say what kind of doctor, but we legit were. You were. Yeah. And uh, he's like, I'm really not feeling well. What can we do? And Jack's like showing him 20s, you know, like, yeah. like, well, you can take the limo. Okay. We took the limo. Arrived in style. <laughs> yeah. It was so much money, you guys. But my husband didn't care. Do you know he what didn't I mean? Care. Like, he was at the point where 
Yeah. Anything goes. If you would have told me this is going to cost me a thousand dollars just to get her down to the dispensary, yeah. I, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. So we go, we get the card. I'm having like a thermonuclear meltdown trying to fill out the form because I can't remember anything from my drugs to my diagnosis. The girl behind the counter says, Honey, we're going to give you the card. It's okay. You don't got to fill out all. That. And I'm like, are you sure I'm a nurse though? And I don't want to lose my license. <laughs> and like, I'm just a mess humans. And so literally I get the card, like they didn't even look at the paper. Okay. They didn't even look at it. They just handed me the card. I mean, my name was already filled out all that shit. So I get the card. I go to my first dispensary, that guy at thrive dispensary was he in for a treat that day? <laughs> <laughs> here comes this 46 year old woman that absolutely has no idea what she's doing as far as you know here i'm thinking like medical pots got to be different than the pot that i was smoking when i was at the casino you know it's not the same stuff yeah better. So, it's better <laughs> and so literally I'm crying with this kid and he's just like, oh my God, lady, what do you need? And I'm like, look, I got anxiety. I got depression. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm hurt real bad. And, like, <laughs> and he's just like, okay, we'll give you some cheaper chews. We'll give you some, you know, this <laughs> Northern lights. Here's some, yeah. <laughs> this tincture and, and this should work. And then he's like, but here's two joints in case none of these do. I'm like, I don't want to smoke. And he's like, just in case. So we get, nice. you know, my husband's like, purchase. my husband's like knocking on the dispensary door. Like what the hell is taking so long? You know, like you would have thought like I had like the cartel you know, got you. Yeah. Yeah. Like you got the young dispensary guy, like snook me out, you know, and uh, I, that wouldn't have been very effective. Uh, but <laughs> I was in way too much pain to be thinking about any of that stuff. So <laughs> legit. <sighs> so um, yeah, I get this sack of stuff and he's like, God, did you get enough? And I'm like, I don't know. So I start in the limo. I'm just like chucking down some Chiba Chews, chucking down some gummy worms. I mean, there was no methodology whatsoever. <laughs> I get back to the hotel. We get up to the room. I pass out. I just fall asleep, which was good because yeah. I mean, I needed to sleep. So, but I mean, I slept. And then I, the next day we wake up and you know i i'm like i just feel like a zombie i feel like i've had so much benadryl i'm just gonna you know keel over from a benadryl over od he's like well smoke that joint <laughs> and so so i did i smoked that joint and we went out of that hotel room for the first time and ate lunch brunch dinner lunch whatever it was it was like you know it was like too early you joined to the real world again but, but I was in the world again for the first time, wow. like, like willingly, not, yeah. not, not because of a carrot. Like I wanted to go downstairs. I mean, it's not like I then started gambling and started being the old Nikki. No, but it gave me hope. It gave me a tiny, tiny, tiny glisten of hope. Wow. That's incredible story. 
Yeah. Absolutely. It, it, it had to feel like they were coming, like a fog was lifted and you come down there. And by the way, Nikki, I'm glad that we, you know, I'm so glad you shared this story. But guys, am I right? We've heard so many people say that the city of Las Vegas has either ruined their life, uh, their bank account or their marriage. We, our guest comes on and says, no, 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 Las Vegas, that night, it saved my life. That night in Las Vegas. Yeah, needle in the haystack. There's not many that say that. So Nikki's the only person I've ever heard with that. <laughs> Let me ask you this. When you when you started, like, say that next day and you went and had lunch or brunch or whatever with your husband, it, on a scale of like you're before you're operating at like 99 percent pain or 100 percent pain. Like, what do you think you were that day when you when you finally stepped out and you were like, all right, I'm going to go out. Were you at like 96 and that was significantly better than you'd be experienced? Or do you think you were down to like a 80 or 60 or like, I was just, I'm trying to get a sense in my yeah. mind of like how just much initial so I go on a one to 10 pain scale. Okay. okay. So yeah. my pain before cannabis, literally my 10 is when I broke my leg in five places. So that's the level of pain I compare everything to. So mm -hmm. my 10 was the greatest pain I've ever endured. Mm -hmm. So to come to some kind of understanding of where my pain was with this headache, it was a solid eight all the time. Like unrelenting eight that first joint i took or smoked whatever it brought it down to probably a six it wasn't a cure-all but but enough that it got me out of the room but then it came mm -hmm. back i mean like understand when you inhale it's only good for two maybe three hours mm -hmm. after that you got to re-up you've got to refill those receptors so at the time, I didn't understand that. I mean, literally, you guys, I was hanging by my fingertips and literally just was able to hold on to that rail. So from that moment forward, we were leaving that day, that night. Mm. And so I smoked that other joint and I actually kind of had fun in the airport. I mean, I think I did pop a few coins in some slots, but then we got home. <laughs> then we came home back to Buffalo and there was no cannabis here. So then, of course, you know, I'm kind of feeling around, asking some friends. Mm -hmm. But again, the friends I had at the casino, I really wasn't friends with anymore. So it just became an awkward thing. And then yeah. what I think of was being judged because I'm on workers' comp and I'm trying to get pot. Like, what kind of human am I? Right. So I gave up on the pot thing. And when I got to New York, I tried to get our medical cannabis here and chronic pain. PTSD was not as one of the approved conditions. And we had no smokable flower in 2017. So I became hopeless again. I just got on more drugs, uh, new chemical imbalances just started taking over my life again and hopelessness set in again. And then I mentioned earlier that I finally got the right testing to determine that I have what's known as cervical instability. My neck muscles and neck ligaments when I had the whiplash injury, I was at an angle. And so that damaged my transverse and alar ligaments. So like, if you think of a crinkled piece of paper, you'll never get that paper perfectly straight again. Mm -hmm. So my ligaments are sort of like a crinkled paper. They're not mm -hmm. torn, but they're crinkled really bad. Yeah. So that makes my head move around constantly the way it should not like, and the only way to fix that is through a fusion and a fusion. As soon as you do that, especially at the top two bones of your neck, it just, it breeds 
major complications. And so, but it took me two years before I finally found that diagnosis, before I finally was told the only fix is this. Before, but up until those two years, I was made to feel completely crazy, made to feel yeah. completely like I'm faking, like I'm malingering, like there's nothing wrong with you. You can go back to work after, you know, six drug weeks. seeking kind of drug seeking. Yep. Yes. Or, I, mm-hmm. And so then when I shared my cannabis experience in Las Vegas, every single doctor dismissed it. Every single one. They said that's wow. not possible. And if you're smoking it, that's not medicinal. Or if it's high THD, that's not medicinal. And I'm like, but I felt better. <laughs> like, yeah, because like, my evidence is I felt better. What's your evidence that it's not medicinal? I dare you to tell me. Like, because oh, it's it just totally a stigma. Bad. And so I literally was so hopeless again. And then I had a friend who, when I was working at the casino, they're Canadians and they came over all the time when I was dealing. And they, saw one of my hopeless Facebook posts along the way around, you know, 20, late 2017, 2018. And I was like, you know, I finally found medical weed worked and now I can't even find it here because I live in New York state. They reached out because they're Canadians and they said, we have a really good medical weed program here. Why don't you just come stay with us for a few weeks and see if you can figure this out? I'm like, but I can't bring it home. No, but you can come over here anytime you want. And Mm -hmm. so there began my New York, my Canadian medical refugee status, refugee (laughs) from New York state into Canada. Literally. I mean, I had a storage unit in Canada that, you know, I stored my medicine in, I started learning about the plant and going to events and started meeting all these amazing humans. And I'll never forget. It was probably October of uh, 17, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yes. October of 17. And I was on LinkedIn and I only had like 160 contacts at that point. And a notice came up and said, looking for someone with a brain injury with experience using cannabis for treatment. I'm like, (laughs) Well, check, that's check, check. Pretty small <laughs> prospect pool. I reached, out to this <laughs> I reached out to this researcher. She's since become like one of my closest friends ever. But literally, we became instant bonded pals. And she was a nurse too. And she had never used cannabis for medicine, but she had done all these research trials on it and things in Canada. So I became like a speaker for the Brain Injury Association of Canada, the York region. And I had never spoken in front of a crowd ever in my life. And if you had told me that I was going to do that, I would have absolutely never believed you in a million years. And so that first time I spoke, I was, I wasn't that nervous, right? But the medicine, but the weed had definitely worn off by the point I, it was my turn to speak, mm-hmm. but everyone was asking me all these questions like, well, how do you dose? Well, how much do you use? And I'm like, a lot. <laughs> I didn't have any real medicinal answers, right? It's just, yeah. you keep smoking it until you feel better. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. So it did, it wasn't like something where you took, you're like, okay, I'm going to take this medical knowledge I have from my field of expertise and apply. It's like, I, so at the, you are the professional patient now, instead of the professional caregiver and you are just, your mission is to feel better 
however you can safely. I, I totally get, and it's like, oh, I guess I should start kind of documenting this and figuring out exactly what does make me feel better. But at that's, some point, that's right? secondary. At first, you're just trying to feel good. Yeah. And so first, I get this. I just want to see if there's something to this. Like, is <laughs> it really possible? Or was it just a weird day that I wasn't, didn't sleep the wrong way, you know? And mm -hmm. Once I discovered, so I'm up in Canada trying all these different strains. I had to pick like this random producer because in Canada, they, you pick a producer or grower and that's who you get all your pot from. So yeah, the LPs you know, are go through the government like, there, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Canada Post delivers your pot to your yeah, door. That's I mean, how cool is that? <laughs> so right? cool. That's a system that works. America needs <laughs> to learn how to operate in that realm, but legit it was amazing so i just randomly picked this lp up there and i was trying different products i mean we buy like i think the smallest was like five grams or something and so like five gram containers and i had all these different containers at my friend's house and and then one day i started wanting to play scrabble like you guys don't understand spelling writing yeah texting anything no <laughs> So I wanted to play Scrabble with my friends. I'm like, hey, let's play Scrabble. And they're like, Unreal. okay. <laughs> and then my husband called around that time. And this is probably maybe four or five trips in, you know, not like the first trip or second trip or third trip, but several in. And he's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what do you mean? What's wrong with me? I'm playing Scrabble. Like I'm doing some math, like, holy shit. And he's like, I'm like, it might be this it's gonna be this pot. And my husband's like, I can't believe it. You sound normal. You sound like Nikki. You sound like you. For the first time in two and a half years, he had right. to be touched. He was, he was mind blowing, mind blowing. And he literally couldn't believe it. And again, this is coming from the people that have been part of the war on drugs, that this is not medicine. You guys, it is medicine because that day once I started to really understand that specific cannabinoids and terpenes, the chemical parts of the plant can play such an intricate role in how you feel and that we have an endocannabinoid system. I mean, when yeah. they told me that, I was like, yeah, whatever you're smoking, you just keep on doing that too. <laughs> Next thing you're going to tell me, we have another brain too, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's all like, like it was just preposterous. How could I have gone through nursing school and not heard of an endocannabinoid system? How could I not understand that we had these receptors that are just craving, you know, phytocannabinoids, endocannabinoids, they want to feel better. It's your whole mental psyche. And I was never taught this. And nobody so was. But when I started to learn it, I was mad. I was like, yes, yes. yes. I was like, I could have been smoking pot for the last two years. Instead, I'm like ready to off myself. What is wrong with the world? And then I started getting yeah. all these drugs one by one by one by one. And then I started having hope. I literally held on because I would go to Canada every two weeks. So that two week period in between going or a week, whatever it ended up being was torture. Because I had to continue the therapies, the treatments, the things that were not working. You didn't even believe plant. in them anymore. Because I didn't need them. And I just wanted to mm -hmm. go to Canada. I mean, I would cry when I had to come home. I knew quality of life was going to go out the shitter. And it wasn't that I was addicted. Right. It was, I was finally able to live my life. 
I was able to function. I was able to smile. I was able to carry on a conversation and actually begin to research why cannabis works. I then learned about this app that was up there that basically tracked your usage. It was a journaling app, but what they had on the back end was all the certificates of analysis or test reports from all the licensed producers. So as medical patients, they could journal their experience, that lot number, that certificate of analysis, everything about that particular blue dream from Canna Farms or blue dream from Haven Street was listed on the back end. So after you use the app many times, it then will give you a profile of what you need to look for in your products. So you know, first you have to figure out what you're treating. You can't say I'm treating traumatic brain injury. You're treating, for me, it's chronic pain uh, of my head and my neck. It's not joint pain, it's head and neck pain. So that's different than diabetic nerve pain. So understanding what kind of things you're treating are critical or looking for relief of symptoms from. Then the next one is anxiety and depression. Nobody, I didn't have anxiety and depression people before this happened, okay? Not, I had two episodes of episodic depression, but I was not on continuous medication. So Mm -hmm. this was a huge thing. And I'm still taking an antidepressant, yes. I'm not shaming people that still need pills. I mean, every time I try and come off it, it's just, I get too sick. So it's just easier to stay on it. Yeah. So- I I came off all the drugs and things were really looking up. So anxiety and depression is the next thing I evaluate in that one to 10 pain scale or problem scale. Uh Then the other is cognitive function. So these are the three areas that I target my treatment for. And I evaluate every strain to see how they compare. There's no one size fits all. What works for my chronic pain might not work for Francesca's. What works for my cognitive function might make Mike space out. We don't know unless we try. And so that was the biggest eye-opener for me, I think, was there really is no one size fits all, but there isn't for drugs either. They just right. prescribe them and and the, the side effect is death. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> explain to me how euphoria is a bad side effect. I'm just saying, <laughs> throwing it out there. Um, but literally, this is a big deal, you guys, because when I learned about it, I just wanted to learn more. I wanted to tell more people. But then, okay, so I'm chugging along. Everything's going great. We're in 2019. My voice is starting to be heard. I'm like, people are, you know, wanting to know more about the story. But like, I'm I'm still not really popular or not. It's not a popularity contest, but people didn't know who I was. Okay. Yeah. That was a better word that I'm looking for. <laughs> but um all of a sudden, 2020, March 2020 hits, and guess what? The Canadian border closes. Boom. Oh, no. So there went Nikki's medical refugee status and her hiatus every other week. And now I had to learn. Like, so by this point, though, in 2020, we at least had ground flower in our medical program. And just mm-hmm. a little side note, this girl right here, she may not be a celebrity, but she got New York state workers compensation to pay for her medical cannabis. Yes, she did three times and appealed and won. And I literally, that's a huge accomplishment, pretty much huge Olympic medal kind of. Yeah. 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 You you got people to pay for the thing that they, they say they isn't, isn't, um, no medicinal value federally illegal. Mm -hmm. And, and from an organization that 
their sole goal is to not pay. <laughs> like they're like, right. Yeah. Mm. The last thing they want to so, do is shell out bucks. Yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. That's so, a trifecta. <laughs> so that was a pretty big moment in time. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pandemic like really screwed me up. But then the good news was a little while later, our governor signed, you know, cannabis as being um, adult use being legal. That mm-hmm. wasn't until 2021. Mm-hmm. No, 20, oh, it was 2020, 2020, because 2021, we celebrated the one year anniversary. So no, 2022, we did, because now we're June. Sorry, little time frame issue. New, New York, New York, been, like, as we've been talking about New York going legal for so long. That so it's, long. For a year. So we're on false for a year starts. Yeah, yeah, and there, there were a number of stories that, that were pertaining to cannabis within the last year and a half. And I remember last, it was this year, January 24th, 2022, where they just dropped all the conditions uh, that you needed. <laughs> so yeah, and, yeah, and it, was, it, it was, it was, uh, it was interesting. You, you had something, Nikki, that I really, uh, your whole story is really, really important. But one of the things I love that I've read you say before is that you went from being a professional in the medical field to, I, I believe you said a victim of the traditional medical system. And that, that might be my favorite aspect of this story too, because being part of it, being your profession and then being victimized by this thing you supported, you had an interesting perspective uh, that not many people have of like understanding how the sausage is made. And then, you know, like it, it is a really, I think that's my favorite part of your story um, is that, that you were uh, just on the front line, so to speak, and then uh, found a way to to not only come out better, uh, but but just improving your quality of life and the quality of life for so many people by sharing this story. It taught me how what an advocate was. I mean, I didn't mm-hmm. really understand the term advocate, but now I do. Mm-hmm. And so I often say I went from nurse to patient to now advocate, and that journey. Unless you've heard the whole story, it's really kind of hard to grasp it but I think the story kind of flowed today and I think I pretty much portrayed you know the hell the triumph of finding the plant and learning what works and then now going forward trying to educate other people on that they have to learn what the doctor says is wrong with them not only do they have to learn for their own sake but they need to know because that doctor spends seven minutes with you people He doesn't spend seven days with you, seven hours, you know, seven months. He spends seven minutes. Mm -hmm. So you have seven minutes to make your point and have him make a judgment call. And in those seven minutes, no one can do anything that really is going to make a life-changing, altering decision for you. So I beg people to, even if they're not medical, find a fellow friend that's a nurse, find someone that's a doctor and get an explanation. Google, learn, teach. We only yeah. learn when it happens to us. And, you know, I might not know any, a lot about heart attacks, right? But if I had had a heart attack, you better believe I would know a lot about it. Now I know so much about brain injury and how the brain works and neurodiversity and understanding, you know, a lot of people have invisible illnesses. A lot of yes. people struggle with things that you have no idea about. How it, I got to this point today, you have no idea how much of a struggle it was for me to put the right clothes on, for me to make sure my hair wasn't a total jacked up mess. It's giving people grace and giving people uh, understanding. 
And that's what I'm all about now. And this injury, I'm grateful for it. Why? Because it's taught me so much. It's taught me so much about what I can overcome, how I can help empower other people, how I was chosen for this journey. I mean, it sounds messed up, guys. I mean, I'm no conspiracy theorist or like G.I. Jesus Queen or any of that. But I love that so much. I'm so stealing that. I love it. (laughs) But legit, I mean, the universe did some crazy shit for me. And there's that's not in doubt, you know? Like I recognize that. And I've met some of the most insanely amazing humans because of this. And I've helped so many humans. If you just looked in my inbox in one day. People say, wow, that really resonated with me. That helped me so much. Thank you for posting that. Wow, your story really motivated me. You don't know who you're inspiring until Mm -hmm. they tell you. And I just try and share and be as real and genuine. Maybe I'm not politically correct all the time, you guys. Maybe I say things wrong. Things come out wrong. I have zero filter. That's the bad news. The good news is sometimes that shit's really That's funny. the good news too. That is yeah. the good news. Yeah. Is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, um, you know, it's all about living in the moment. I mean, if I look back from in the past, all I think about is what I used to be able to do. And it gives you depression. If you just think about the future, how am I going to make money? How am I going to pay my bills? What am I going to do? I can't work anymore. All you're going to do is get anxious. If you live in the moment, and process where you are right this second and appreciate your surroundings. Appreciate that you're not in a wheelchair. Appreciate that you're not in Ukraine getting the shit kicked out of you. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, living in the moment is a real challenge when you have a brain injury and when you used to be someone else. But cannabis allows me to live in the moment. Cannabis gives me that power to appreciate the little things in life instead of worrying about all the big. Nikki, you, you mentioned there's a lot of people that con- contact you, whether it's email or, you know, whatever it's going to be. And we we think our audience is comprised of both people in the industry and also what we call the can of curious um, that are out there that want to learn about the industry that are kind of on the fringe that are easing into cannabis life. What kind of advice do you give to people who may be on a similar path to some degree to a lesser degree than what you were four years ago or like what are the steps that you would advise people to take? So depending on what state you're in, mm-hmm. uh, that's a big thing. Uh, CBD is a wonderful product, but it will not give you a lot of the health claims that proclaims it does. So if you're in a state that you can have an access to a medical cannabis program in a perfect world, I highly recommend going that route first. Why? because you have professionals that can assess your needs medically. Um, It's a real thing because there's contraindications to cannabis, just like there are other drugs. So it's really not a one size fits all. So that would be my first recommendation. The next start low and go slow. Do not (laughs) take the thousand milligram edible and say, let's eat the whole thing. Everything you do, especially when you're talking about edibles, needs to be in very strategic steps because edibles react differently than combustion, than vaping, than tinctures under the tongue. So edibles take roughly 30 to 45 minutes on average 
to just take effect. So if you mow down that 25 milligram edible and all of a sudden you don't feel anything in two minutes, and then you say, oh, I don't feel anything. Well, let me eat another. And then you eat another, and then you eat another. And then let's say you have a nice fatty snack. You are going to green out. What does that mean? You are <laughs> just going to puke. You are going to puke until you your body is saying that's too much in my receptors. And you won't know it until 45 minutes later. I don't say that to scare people. I say that to it's completely be aware of it because mm -hmm. everyone reacts differently. And I would not have believed that could even happen to someone had I not personally seen it. It doesn't happen to me because I lack the cytochrome P450 gene. Uh, so I don't metabolize anything fat soluble and it's a huge thing, but that's a whole other story. So go low, go slow and be patient, be patient, willing to try different methods, different um, consumption methods, whether it's, you know, smoking it, combusting it, vaping it, eating it, uh, patches, topicals, whatever. Just know if you can stack your dosing, once you figure out what kind of works for you, you can actually extend the time release of the medicine in your system. Right. So like if you smoke because you're in so much pain first thing in the morning, but you take an edible at the same time, 45 minutes from now, you might not have to smoke because the edible kicked in and gave you enough relief, but then noon comes and you're in pain again. So vape a little more and then maybe take half of that same dose. For me, the THC is always in my system. I microdose all day mm -hmm. so that I don't get in pain like the way I would before I found cannabis. It's no different than using an opiate. If you okay. wait until you're literally ready to die in pain, it's going to take not doing forever your, yeah. to it, feel that relief. My, my mom's a nurse and she's retired now, but that was her big thing was, and it's so funny because it happened around like period cramps and I would get horrible cramps in my, and I knew exactly how much Advil I needed. It was only Advil that would work. And so I would do it and I'd be like, when it was relief, I would forget to stay ahead of the pain and it would have to be like, no, you've got to take it before it starts kicking in again so that right. you can maintain that quality of life instead of having your body and your mind and everything just fluctuate constantly from these two extremes of in and out of pain. So yeah, cannabis is the exact same way. I'm a big fan of, of layering your doses. I love to hear you say that. And I know people worry about overdoing it. And the best part about it is you, you can overdo it and get sick and throw up, of course, but you're not going to die. There's no, no serious side effects. Like you can't, you can't, there are no receptors in your brain stems or, you know, in our hearts, right. there's nothing going to stop us from, from breathing and beating our hearts. So, so it's okay to experiment. And cannabis is so rare in that, in that characteristic alone, that it's like, I'm so glad to hear a nurse say to, uh, <laughs> to, to layer our doses. Thank you for that PSA for sure. <laughs> well, can I just say I'm a nurse that found cannabis. I'm not yeah. a cannabis nurse. There's lots of nurses that specialize mm. in dosing and I'm not that one. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That are really good at that. One of the best books I ever read is this one right here. It's called the medical cannabis primer and it's by Ruth Fisher. Mm -hmm. And it's the very first book I was ever able to read since my brain injury. And I don't mean read, just pick it up and go mm -hmm. through every page. 
But what's great is it has all this amazing charts and diagrams and photos and things that really break up the plants so people can understand. And whether you're a beginner and never seen it or used it before in your life, this book is amazing. But even for someone like myself who has learned about the plant, I use it as a reference piece all the time because the charts and the information is so great. Thank you for that. We'll have Absolutely. To look that we're, up. We're, you know, winding down here with incredible uh, PSAs for our, for our listeners. And, and uh, Mike, I'm glad you asked that question about people that are kind of curious or looking to begin their own journey because that's really important. It's so good to get to hear it from Nikki. Nikki, one thing I know that we're going to get uh, questions about. Uh, so let's just beat those questions uh, to the punch here. I know people are going to want to follow your, your work. I know people are going to want to get in touch. How do they get in touch with you? What's coming up next for you? So I'm definitely going to be speaking at a few upcoming shows. Uh, I'm going to, I'm planning on Vegas for MJ Biz. I'm also planning on MJ Unpacked in Vegas. Um, those are later in the year, as well as the Unity Conference. I'm also a keynote in the Ohio Medical Business Summit. Um, the Unity Conference for Americans for Safe Access is going to be in December in Washington, D.C., and I'll be a speaker at that as well. And there's just a lot of opportunities to follow me because I'm pretty much, if you just Google my name, Nikki Lawley, L-A-W-L-E-Y-N-I-K-K-I, there's like 30 pages on Google (laughs) Um, because other people know how to SEO compared to Nikki and the plant. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been on probably 50 different podcasts. I love sharing the story and sharing the journey to help others find the plant. Uh, So feel free to find me on any Spotify or Apple podcast, as well as you can find my website, www.nikkiandtheplant.org, as well as I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. But I'm at Max Connections on LinkedIn. So if I can't connect with you, you can always send me a message and we can still follow each other. Absolutely. And she will get back to you. That's how, you know, that's how we got in touch. Over 30,000 LinkedIn connections, Nikki. My God. Impressive. It's, it's, you it's are Im- a dot connector. That's for sure. It, it's impressive because I always, uh, Frank hears me say this too much. Uh, I'm lucky enough uh, with Francesca and Mike on this show, we get to talk to the people that I, 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 I coin it that you're doing the big work. You're doing the big work, sharing that story, helping end the stigma. And I'm going to throw a quote that you made earlier uh, back your way. You say your work uh, was able to, you know, you're able to give people grace through sharing your story and giving them, them the confidence to, to start their journey or feel normal uh, about their journey. Uh, giving people grace, that's a hell of a thing. It should be a business card for you, Nikki. We, uh, we, we adore you. We're, we're huge fans. I cannot thank you enough for sharing your story and your time with us today. Anytime you guys are looking for something, please reach out anytime. I'm happy to be part of it. And it's all about teaching, learning and teaching others, as Kurt Robbins would say. Nikki, I think from my perspective, you are the strongest, toughest four foot, 11 and a half inch person I've ever met. (laughs) So thank you so much for everything. (laughs) Thank you. You guys are awesome. Yeah. We're going to we're going to stay connected Nikki. I, I hope you know that um uh, we'd love to have you back. Everybody go to nikkiandtheplant.org. Nikki Lolly has been our guest today here on the Infuse show. We've had a great time with you Nikki. Uh thanks to you for being here. Thanks to everyone for listening. We're going to see you next time from Delahoo, Delaware. Bye-bye everybody. Bye.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one token at a time.